Welcome. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within and author of Life is No Coincidence, The Life and Afterlife Connection. Healing from Within is a radio show that focuses on understanding concepts related to energy in relation to healing our physical and inner soul and emotional life. We might just accomplish this by attuning ourselves to receive knowledge that is available to all of us by tapping into a realm of intelligence beyond the dimension of our five senses. There is a world of knowledge and interactions with others when we simply quiet the mind, let go of outdated and often false belief systems, and begin to sense and intuit all that is within and around us. So let us begin learning to allow and be connected to other dimensions, life forces, and to create a higher vibration of positive thoughts and actions. This will be the way for us all to connect to our higher selves. And, of course, this state of being can only be achieved by accepting that we are unlimited and are ever-changing energetic and also, at the same time, physical beings, and that our physical life is but one aspect of the scope of our existence. In this first episode today, which is part of a two-part discussion with my very special guest, Dr. Eric Pearl, author of The Reconnection, Dr. Pearl and I will be examining and share our early experiences and our beginning practical and methodical method of navigating life, and we will also share a healthy skepticism of certain beliefs that had to change dramatically as we became aware of other forms of communication on both a physical and spiritual level. Our expanded conclusions about the true nature of being and the fact that we are, each of us, much more than most people can ever realize, will be documented. Our understanding of the true nature of mind, body, and soul healing will be the focus of today's discussion. Hello, Dr. Pearl, and welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. The last time I saw you was in New York at an event that you hosted where I brought several several of my students, and before that, in Puerto Vallarta, where I traveled on two planes, missed the plane, but got there to hear you talk. So this is, this is a little easier today being on the phone. Let us tell the audience that you are an internationally recognized healer, and you have appeared on numerous television shows and have spoken by invitation before the United Nations, and I heard you before thousands in Madison Square Garden, and how long ago was that, Eric? Do you remember? Madison Square Garden? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to say that was maybe 2001, 2000 oh. 2001. Oh, it's about 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Would you like to tell us a little something about what you remember about that experience? Because then I'm, I'm going to tell you what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well... That that was certainly an unusual experience because, you know, I, I guess I don't start small. Um, it was really the, the first time that I was on stage, you know, in a stage setting somewhere, and there it was, Madison Square Garden. Um, I was there with John Edward and Sylvia Brown um, throughout the course of the day. 
And um, I think actually the, <laughs> the thing that I remember the most is my nerves about it because I came on and and um, it was so huge I couldn't really see or make face contact, eye contact with people. And the sound system kept cutting out. And all I could hear were the people running around behind the curtains going, the sound system never cuts out. The sound system never cuts out. <laughs> but you were great. You did a great job. I was able to hear every word you said. And I, I must admit, Eric, when I first heard you speak, that's about 10 years ago, I did feel the sincerity and intensity and passion you had for healing. And also, I sensed the close connection to spirit. But as the daughter of a podiatrist and trained to really look at and view results on a physical and scientific level, I, I was not yet ready to realize the fullness and perfection of healing via divine energy. But a few years later into my own Reiki practice, I did begin to see people assume responsibility for their own healing as a result of the energy work and messages that I started to receive from higher energy forces. So my perceptions on energy, matter, and life greatly changed. And I, I knew, as you did, that we didn't have all the answers or maybe not even the questions, uh, but we were being guided to see, to, to be part of a group of evolving teachers. And what you said that day meant so much more to me as time went by. So, Eric, I'd like to say to you, when I read your book sometime, oh, it's also some years ago, I just looked at the cover, and, and I saw the drawing of God's hand touching Adam's finger, which we know is a representation of what's on the Sistine Chapel. And by reading the words, heal others, heal yourself. I was so captivated and I felt myself lifted up to a higher state of being as I did when I actually saw that drawing on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Can you tell us how you got the idea for that cover and why you put the words heal others before healing oneself? Sure. Um, but I also want to touch on the concept of taking responsibility for our own health because I think sometimes we get a little bit confused when we start to talk about that. Um, for instance, it's often used in a style that makes the person feel guilty and makes other people who talk about it feel better about themselves at someone else's expense. In other words, it's very common to hear some people talking Oh, did you hear that so-and-so got cancer? And then they look around and say, well, of course, it's no surprise. They were always saying this or acting this way or angry or that and the other. And, you know, it, 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 it's often misused as an attempt to make the person who's talking about it feel better or superior, even though that's not what they'll consciously say and definitely not what they'll own up to. Then we say things like, oh, all he has to do is choose to get better. He just hasn't decided to get better yet. But that is also another infusion of guilt for no real reason because when we use words such as choosing, we think about it on a conscious level. And I'm quite certain that most, maybe not every, but most everyone who has um, a serious health challenge if you said, you know, here's, here's, here's a glass of something, drink this and it'll be gone, 
they're going to drink it. They're not going to cross their arms and say, no, I won't. They're not refusing not to get well. They're not not choosing to get over it in a conscious way. And we, we need to be clear on that because we often infuse guilt, which doesn't help the situation not only for them. It doesn't help us when you do it either. I, I agree. Yes, I agree. I think what we as healers and as teachers and as leaders want to do is to help everybody realize their own potential for wellness, for growth, for expansion, and for finding what it is that they really want to do in this world because that is the first key, I believe, towards being well. That's Not right. But you see, our, yeah. our energy healing techniques don't tend to reinforce that. I think they don't speak about it truly enough or they touch on it surfacely because they don't really get it. That's part of the limitation of technique itself. You know, um, Jinshin, Shigang, Jirei, all of the energy healing techniques, um, they sort of instill a, an ego awareness that sometimes tempts us to go in other directions. We try to create this healing and that healing. We say, I'm a level one, I'm a level two, I'm a level three, I'm a master, I'm a grandmaster, I'm a great grandmaster teacher. And, you know, and, and I've got the certificate to prove it. And, and in truth, a true master wouldn't give any credence to that certificate at all when they spent $350 for a weekend that says they're a master. They wouldn't post it. I mean, they, because mastery is something that comes from within. And the consciousness for healing to come about is that we can't truly give a gift that we're not willing to accept or receive. We can't stand in the ego of control and be in the space where healing comes from, which is by transcending that sense of control. In other words, as Gary Zukav often speaks of the, um, shall we say, external and internal power, you know, the, the, the internal self is is based on that connection with our soul. It's external power, which is trying to control that outcome, which is transitory. In other words, I'm going to use this symbol here, and we have to, and we didn't get rid of this symptom yet, so I'm going to do something else to get rid of that problem, and I'm going to do something else, I, 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 me, me, me. And really where we get lost is we sound very giving and very wonderful in wanting to help someone get rid of a problem, but we are also assuming that we know what result the person should have. And this is part of the lesson for the healer themselves, for us to recognize that we have one basic role, and that is to open doors. It is our responsibility to open the doors. It is the job or responsibility of the person we're working with to have the courage to choose to walk through that door. And I'm going to say that again. It's our job to open doors it's the other person's job to have the courage to choose to walk through that door. In other words, where we get lost is that we try to open the door with one hand and push the person through with the other hand. Oh, you didn't get the result yet? Here. You didn't get the result yet? Here. And what happens is, is we shove the person through to get what seems to be a desired result. And it always sounds nice. I mean, you know, it's the result that they want. It's the result that we think they should have. It's the result that their mother thinks that they should have. But it might not be the appropriate 
result according to the plan of God or love or the universe. Well, part of the problem is, and many healers and people involved in these metaphysical concepts, as you and I are, are that many people wish to remain in their ego and mind state, and they fail to recognize that they have an inner essence, the inner being, the soul, the energetic part that leaves the body at the time of death, and that is eternal and ever-expanding and growing. And this is part of the problem that I have found. Unless a person can see themselves as much more than just a physical being, it is very hard to heal them on the multi-levels, which healing is really all about, the many That's levels. True. Right? That's well, let's true. go back for a minute. Because, so, yeah. Well, I, let me just tie this around for one sec. Okay. So what happens is, is when we open the door, and try to push the person through, we cheat that person out of the growth that comes from walking through on their own, and we cheat ourselves out of the gift of being able to witness and observe the perfection of the healing instead of what we try to direct it to be. And sometimes it's a struggle because we feel that we failed if we don't get the result the person wants. But the truth is, our growth comes from being willing to observe, and when we don't see what we think we should see, to look to see what the hidden gift of the process is, because we cheat ourselves out of that evolution, too. You talked about the book title being called The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself. Now, why wasn't it called Heal Yourself and Heal Others? Well, because everyone is focused on themselves. And, That's and what I wanted here. Sure. Everyone is focused on themselves. Everyone, especially around that time, was running out to the next course on how do I heal myself, how do I heal myself, I, 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 me, me, me. Even when I finally agreed to start teaching some classes on this, and I started with the learning annex and that was in Los Angeles, San Diego, Santa Barbara, New York, and Toronto, I wrote them out what this was about, and they changed the whole description of it about come in and learn how to heal yourself. And, and and I told them, I said, this is why you're only getting, you know, 12 people because everyone's you're inundated with heal yourself seminars. And it's not about that. At least it's not about healing yourself by intention. It's about healing yourself as a reward. It's um, when we focus on ourselves, we have that attachment, which becomes the limitation. When we focus on others, then we let go of that attachment to ourselves and we find that the healing comes through. In other words, we are result-oriented and the gift is coming from when we learn to be process-oriented. So if we once we change that in the description, suddenly there were 85 people at the next seminar and then 150 people at the next seminar because in, in, intrinsically we want to focus on others. When we focus so much on ourselves, then we forget about how to be in touch with the gift that we have. So heal Which others is our is divine essence, right? And, our, yes. and the energy connection to energies beyond this earth plane. Mm-hmm. That would be the reconnection. It's a reconnecting of us to our original fullness, to who we are as 
as spirit to who we are in between these lifetimes and allowing ourselves to more fully embody that spirit while we are here in human form. I agree with you. And, you know, Eric, it's quite funny that many of the healers selected for this divine work are not particularly religious or they didn't start out spiritual. They were just curious and well-meaning overachievers. Would you agree and tell us about this statement with many of the people you have met? Um, well, I mean, I can, I can really only speak for me initially because, I mean, I didn't plan this. I was Neither a did chiropractor. I. Yeah, I was a chiropractor for 12 years. That was how I was practicing. And I went home on a Friday night thinking I was a chiropractor. I came back on a Monday and I was something else. Now, my parents <laughs> always told me I was something else, but this was probably not what they had in mind. Um I think what had occurred over that weekend was I was uh, awakened by what seemed to be sort of an intrusively bright light in the middle of the night while I was asleep. I opened my eyes to see what it was, and it wasn't anything seemingly spiritual or metaphysical. It was just the lamp next to my bed. It had turned itself on. Now, I had had that lamp for a good 10 years, and it never turned itself on before, but I thought maybe it was something electrical, like a, a short or a low short, so I guess. That would be the normal off. thing to think. Yeah, so maybe it was a long since it turned it on. I don't know. But whatever, at the very same time, it felt extremely clear that somehow someone was in my home, which is a very uncomfortable feeling to wake up alone in the house and sense other people are there. So I got up with a knife and a can of pepper spray in my bedroom and <laughs> picture. I went hunting through the house. I couldn't find them, and so I talked myself into thinking that it must be my imagination. I went back to bed, and on that Monday, seven of my patients, independent of one another, started telling me that they felt people in the room with us while we were working there. Um, some said walking, some said standing, some said running, and two of them told me, I mean, they even like kind of lowered their voice in their eyes and said it felt as if somebody was flying around the ceiling. Now, no one said that to me for the first 12 years that I practiced there, so seven people all in one day, you would think that that would have gotten my attention. But um, other people... It did, saying, didn't it? See, it did. It well, did get your attention. It, well, it's kind of like this. I mean, it did, but on top of that, what got my attention was that other people were saying, I can feel your hands before you touch me. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, really. Close your eyes. So they'd close their eyes while they were lying there on the table, and I would hold my hand in different angles, different positions, and they could tell me right shoulder, left ankle. So it sort of became a game, and as I played with it, I would see that their, um, they'd have tiny little muscles, involuntary muscles in their face or on their chin or their eyes that we couldn't move intentionally would start to ripple or the lips would start to pull and stretch a little bit then their fingers and their toes would move and when um, they opened their eyes they would tell me of seeing colors they'd never seen before and smelling beautiful fragrances they hadn't smelled before and they started having healings, real healings they were Eric, up Eric let me sure. interrupt you for a minute. When I do a Reiki healing, and I have also uh, sort of absorbed your reconnective energy also because I started to see the manifestations and the eyes twitching and other things happening sure. after coming with you. But before that, I, I wasn't aware of those manifestations. But I will tell you this. I was aware when I was working of energy in the room, 
Call them guides, teachers, angels, whatever one can seems to be of a higher mm-hmm. energetic vibration. And I would say to my clients, so they wouldn't be frightened, I would say, you might feel my hands at your head, but you might feel the energy and other movement at other parts of your body because the energy mm-hmm. will go, go where it is needed. And... um let me get back to this for a minute. Uh, would you describe what it means to be attuned to a frequency of vibration or what these words even mean in the first place, vibration? Well, sure, and that, that actually helps bring some clarity to your what experience because the things that you weren't noticing before were because that they weren't there before. This is a what, but you bring them through now because Ricky, for example, or any of the energy healing techniques, Qigong, Jin Shin, Alpha, Beta, Delta, Gamma, 1, 2, 3, Mattress, this, Quantum, that. These are all different portions of, shall we say, the spectrum of the frequencies of healing, of energy healing. And that's what we've had up until now. We've had energy on the planet. And so when, um, you know, in quantum physics, they, they say, let's picture our existence as if we're in a bubble. There's this huge, vast, endless universe, and we are in one tiny little bubble of it. No, the cell or the wall of the bubble is comprised of height, depth, width, and time. I mean, that's where we've been. We've been existing in height, width, depth, and time, our four-dimensional existence, and everything that's been in here with it and with us has been energy. So once we access our energy healing techniques, because we use a technique, it means we get a real fine touch to that portion or that subset of the energy. But it's sort of like taking a telescope to look at the heavens. You can tune in on a part of the stars, a part of the sky, and see it really well. But we do so at the expense of the rest of the picture. The rest of the universe is is out. Only we see what's within that telescope, which is a wonderful way to start to become familiar with it and what we're looking for. But when we put down the telescope, we see more. When we let go of our techniques, we are no longer accessing that part of energy. I agree. We are now accessing the full field of energy, but there's more to that. And I remember you said, Eric, you said, when you go beyond the technique and you are just a catalyst for the change, Mm -hmm. then your clients and patients will have true healing. And Eric, I want to tell you this. You You started at the beginning of the show talking about opening doorways. And in your chapter, in your chapter, opening new doors and turning on the light, you have a quote that is so, so appropriate to the gifts you and I and others wish to share with our listeners. May I read it? Please. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Would you comment on that thought, please? Because I think this is what we're talking about, what lies within us. Is that reconnection to the strands and the and the universe and the divine energy that we all and the DNA and everything we came from? 
Would you comment on that? Yes, well, because we are that, you see. And it's not, and we don't know how to view it other ways than behind, ahead, within, outside. And that is also because of this four-dimensional existence in which we live. The truth is we are this field. We're in it, and it is within us. So focusing on where we've been or where we're going is, again, taking a telescope. But when we step in to the infinite of which we're comprised, then we see the larger picture. And we see the picture in relate, we, and we see all the other parts in relationships to what it plays. You know, there's, you're making me think of it, of this because I mean, after, after the book was printed, I mean, I never really read it again. Every once in a while I pick something up and I pick up the book, I open it to a page, I read a few words and I go, I do the same with Did my... Did I break that? That's pretty good. <laughs> but then I put it down again because I don't know where it is. But there's a quote that I stumbled upon and it just felt so right and he made me flash on it. It's actually a quote um, also in one of the chapters of the book. And it's from Eliel... Saarinen. I don't know who that person is. I assume that they are um, an architect or a designer. It's from Time Magazine in 1956, and it says, Always design a thing by considering it in its next larger context. A chair in a room, a room in a house, a house in an environment, an environment in a city plan. In other words, looking at anything by itself, doesn't allow us to access the fullness of it. The heart is wonderful, but a heart outside of the body is not a heart because it's not doing what it's there to do. And the body outside of this field is not really the human being because it has to be in continuous informational well, exchange, always adapting and, and flowing in what's going on. So, in essence, it's nice to look at the heart, but it can't truly be the heart unless we have the larger picture. It's well, nice to understand the Reiki or the Shigong or this energy or that, but it's the full spectrum that allows the balance of it. So, your Reiki has expanded because after the interactions, you started being able to access well, see, the way the researchers explain this is that it's a comprehensive field that's so huge, what we call, or what they call the reconnected healing spectrum, or the reconnection spectrum, in that it encompasses all of the energy and then expands beyond that into spectrums of light and information that we haven't had here before. So if you struggle, and you could, you could try, but you probably wouldn't be very happy doing it, to focus precisely on Reiki and follow the way it's been taught, you wouldn't necessarily be pulling through the results that you've expanded into since then. We're well, expanding Eric, by I, becoming more. Yes, I, Eric, I think I'm way beyond the original technique, too, having right. many different and being exposed to your 
energy work and understanding. We are all part and parcel of the oneness of this being and this reconnection and where we came from, where we're going. It is just about continuous expansion and evolvement. But yeah, it's about not about what's next. No. It's about now. the expansion of what there is. So what you've done is, is a wonderful concept that I, I try to teach people. And you can tell, you can separate by response the people who are looking to grow and expand versus the people who are entrenched in staying put by their the way they choose to understand or interpret this analogy. But look at our energy healing techniques, like training wheels on a bicycle. Now, you know, any of us who had kids or remember learning the bicycle, most of us, we know that, you know, as parents, we put training wheels on the bicycle. Once the child masters the bicycle with training wheels, we know that the only way to get to the real goal, which is mastering the bicycle itself, is to take the training wheels off. We wouldn't let them go down to the training wheel store and let new people sell them the second and third and super-duper training wheels, so all their life they've got three and four and 12 sets of training wheels on. We remove them. When you let go of the constraints of the technique itself, of the Reiki, for example, you recognize that, you know, your purpose in life was not to be a Reiki healer, not to master an energy healing technique, your purpose was to become a healer, just like it's not a purpose to master the bicycle with training wheels, it's to master the bicycle. And so our techniques are wonderful because they teach us that balance, but then at a certain point in time, even though we might feel a little insecure or frightened about it, we, about leave standing it behind. Our own, we have to take yeah, we have to take the training wheels off. Now yes. some people will look at this and say, Oh, you're making fun of techniques. Others will realize that when we do recognize to take the training wheels off, we're not making fun of the training wheels and putting them down. We thank them, bless them, kiss them, yes. and allow them to have served their purpose. But the true gift of the training wheels comes only once we choose to have the courage to remove them. The true gift of the energy healing techniques come only when we have the when we have the courage to choose to release them in the transcendence of the technique comes the gift. And this is something that the masters understand and not not necessarily the healing teachers. The teachers mm -hmm. are the ones who say, you know, come back and learn more, come back and learn more, write me another check, come back and learn more. And the masters are the ones who, who tells us, they tell us, don't come back. I need that chair. For someone new. Mm -hmm. yes. I would like to thank Dr. Eric Pearl for joining us on today's show entitled Healing by Connection to Energy Strands of the Universe. For more information on Dr. Eric Pearl's work, please go to www.thereconnection.com. In summarizing today's show, Dr. Pearl and I have attempted to share our personal understanding of our innate intelligence guidance system and connection to the universe. We have touched on some possibilities to understand ourselves and others through connecting to unseen forces that exist mainly to assist us. As we continue to evolve and change and focus on all forces both human and divine, we refine our personal lives and discover compassion and love 
and the real reasons for our physical lives, which is to discover our soul and our physical combined structure. In my belief, utilizing this higher life energy that is ever-present within and around each of us, we will continue to move forward and help humanity evolve.